Our vision for the year is health. If you're a guest with us today and you haven't heard what we're talking about, then it's health in four areas. Healthy spiritually, healthy relationally, healthy financially, and healthy physically. And that physical health would include our mental health as well. So if I asked you the question, how's your health? Most of us would immediately think of our physical health. Our physical health, or or now, as as has been highlighted in the last few years, our mental health, which is a good thing. But there's more than that. We want to be healthy in other aspects of life as well. We want to have a full life. We want to be healthy disciples if we are already followers of Christ. And can I say, if you're not already a follower of Christ, welcome home. You don't have to behave in a certain way to be part of this community. We endeavor and we would love you to join us on our journey with Jesus. And in fact, at the end of what I say today, you'll be given an opportunity to to step into new life, to step into grace and forgiveness that Jesus offers. But we do want to be healthy in all aspects of life. And last week, Paul talked about our physical and mental health so well. And I encourage you to grab a hold of them. You can get a hold of them on YouTube and Facebook and go back through if you haven't heard them. And maybe if some of you, you want to go back and watch them again. And then we're going to talk about our relational health. And we're going to talk about our spiritual health as well. Today, today I have the privilege and the scary opportunity to talk about financial health. Now, you see, as soon as I mention that, some of you have already switched off or you've already got thoughts going through your head. Is that right? It's church, you can be honest. I would be. If I was sat there and the pastor stood up and said, I'm going to talk about finances, immediately I'd be on my phone, like some of you already are. But can I just say, I, I and the team and the board, we're not here to, to coerce you, to manipulate you into giving more money. This is not that sermon. Hopefully, it will never be the sermon when it comes to coercion or manipulation. But I do want to challenge all of us on what our priorities are, if that's okay. You see, I realize that there's at least four voices that you will be listening to as I speak. There is what you think I'm saying. There is what you think about what you think I'm saying. There's what God is saying to you, and then there's what I'm actually saying. Which voice will you listen to? I I pray that my words won't get caught up with what God wants to say to you. I pray that I'll actually be part of that process and part of that journey for you, but I don't want my words to get mixed up with what God is saying to you. See, the first thing that you think I'm going to be doing is asking for money. Well, let me give you a heads up. I probably will talk about giving if we have time, but not really as the focus. 
I want to talk about healthy finances as a much bigger subject. So now you know your mind is probably telling you to switch off, but can I, can I suggest, ask you to suspend your cynicism and eye-rolling just for a little while and stay with me. I really do believe, and I've seen it outworked in so many ways, that true health in all areas only comes when our thinking is aligned with God's thinking. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our thinking on money flows from our thinking on God and ourselves. So there's God, there's ourselves, and then there's the relational aspect that we have with God. That's where our thinking on money comes from. And so to be healthy financially, we need to look at what the Bible says about our finances. And the reality is the Bible has a lot to say. And I don't have anywhere near the amount of time to cover even a fraction of that. But we will look at it. So I mentioned last week that a few weeks ago we, we bought a house. It's great. I'm excited about that. We take possession of it on the 22nd of April. We now have to pack up everything. We've still got a whole load of stuff that's unpacked, as you always do. I think when we were in our last house, we were in our last house about four or five years, and we still had boxes that we hadn't unpacked from the previous move. And I think possibly in there, we probably had some boxes from our move from London that we hadn't unpacked, which was the year 2005. But the good thing is, when you move countries, you really have to decide what's valuable to you because everything else has to go. But we bought a house. I'll get back to the subject. See, the bank, the bank were actually willing to, to loan us $100,000 more than we actually wanted to spend. Because the bank didn't have to consider my relationship with the church. The bank didn't have to consider my relationship with the poor. The bank didn't have to consider my relationship with those who are not yet followers of Jesus. They didn't have to think about my stewardship in terms of the kingdom of God. They just had to look at how much is coming in and how much is going out. That's all they had to consider. But you see, as a follower of Christ, for my family and I, we have bigger considerations than just that. We have to consider the church. We have to consider the poor. We have to consider those that are not yet followers of Jesus. They don't have to think about stewardship at the bank. They just have to think about our income and expenditure. Let me ask you, if you, if you look over your life, and you probably already guessed the answer to this because the clue is what we're talking about, but what has caused you more anxiety more frustration, more fear, more arguments than any other subject. Yeah, money. I mean, we go now to the gas station and we look and we start to sweat, don't we? When you, when you pull up, you're thinking, how much is this going to cost me? It's called the coronavirus. virus. I thought it was slightly funnier than that. <laughs> and it, what it means is that most of you have switched off. Now, you, oh no, what was the joke? The car owner's virus, oh, anyway. 
cross out all of those jokes. But you see, money becomes this stress point for our lives. I like the joke, okay? I thought it was quite funny. Stay with me. At least laugh near me. <laughs> money becomes this stress point. My wife is, is at home, and she'll be just going, oh, John, shut up, please. She's not very well today, so uh, I'm not quite sure whether... It, I'm pretty sure she's still online and stuff, but anyway, there you go. I need to get back to my notes, don't I? The thing that causes us stress, it, it's not just money. It's the lack of, or it's the use of, or it's the love of, or it's the value we place on it, or it's the value we place on others according to how much they have or if they don't have. See, we work out all of this stuff, and it becomes a stress point, an anxiety point that causes us problems, and money is one of the major causes of divorce in the Western world. Remember those voices I talked about earlier? Well, here's probably maybe some of the thoughts that are swirling around in this auditorium and online at the moment. I don't have any money, so he's not talking to me. I'm, I'm all sorted with my finances, so I don't have to listen. I'm a student. I don't really have any control over my finances, so I don't have to worry about this. I've just started out on my career path and have plenty of time to work all of this out. I'm a single parent, and I'm struggling to make ends meet. And the last thing I need is someone else making me feel guilty about my money or lack of. I wish finance and healthy finance was easy to get right. I don't know about you. I, I, love, I love being in Canada and getting paid twice a month. That doesn't happen in the UK. You get paid monthly because there's always so much month left at the end of the money. Have you noticed that? But when you're paid twice, you only have a day or so. No one else in that position then. I do think that most of us are in a very similar boat when it comes to finances. And as we go on this journey of health, particularly in finance, can I suggest there are very, very, very few experts. And just because someone may be in the financial situation does not make them a financial expert. They may be working as an accountant. They may be working in finances. But I have seen very poor, very stressed accountants because of their money situation. In our circle groups, we're going to be doing a series on financial health. And circle group leaders are not the experts in this area. So I want to take the pressure off all our circle group leaders. You are not an expert. You don't need to be. We're doing this journey together. And for those of you that are in a group, don't look to your circle group leader as the expert. They're not. They may have a bit more skill than you. They may have less skill. But we are going on this journey together, exploring and learning together. It's about learning some of the principles of financial health. You don't have to divulge your income and expenditure. Those are exercises that you do at home with your, with your spouse or, or your family or whatever. We are a church, not a cult. I just wanted to make sure you understand that. Because it can be quite 
intimidating going into a circle group and thinking, I've got to tell everyone how much I earn and how much I spent and maybe I'm in this, that. No, you don't. It's between you and God or you and your family. It's not what we have that it's important. It's how we use it that can define our life. So how do we, how do we come to make our and keep our priorities right when it comes to finance? We have so many competing distractions and things that demand our financial attention. So how do we know what to do? Every bit of advertising in the media is designed to, to make us feel discontent. Have you thought about it that way? They're not, they're not selling a product. They're selling discontentment. If you have this, you'll feel better. What they're saying is, you don't feel good enough, well enough, unless you have this product. So I want to create some discontent with you here, and if I, I'm going to promise you that if you buy this, you'll feel better. Well, we pretty much know we won't. But it still, it still makes us feel discontent. We want security for our future. We, want, we have family responsibilities, and all of these things crowd in on us. So how do we not just make the right choices, but make biblically right choices? Can I, can I give you a couple of biblical truths, just really simple biblical truths, before we get into some of the stuff? Time's all, nearly already gone. Firstly, whatever your level of income... You are loved beyond measure. There's one person that believed that. Firstly, whatever your level of income, you are loved beyond measure. How do I know that? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave the most valuable thing in exchange for you. You are loved beyond measure. If you have your finances completely sorted or completely messed up, you are loved beyond measure and you are loved to the same measure. Secondly, so, so firstly is the biblical truth. You are loved beyond measure. Your finances, lack of finances, your level, of socio, your, your socioeconomic level does not define how much God loves you. That's the first thing. But there's a church truth that I want you to get as well. You're welcome and valued in this place. Whether you are up here on the income scale or down here, you are welcome and loved in this church. So, you got those two truths? Thank you. Repeat after me. I am loved whatever my income. Say it with a bit more enthusiasm. I am loved whatever my income. I am welcomed and valued in this home. Good. Hopefully you'll begin to believe that. So on a subject this big, why would we not want to open our minds and hear what the Bible has to say? I'd like to start with three central themes or words and work from there. We're probably not going to get through all of my stuff today. The first word is stewardship, the second word is trust, and the third word is authority. 
They are all biblical words and they are all inextricably linked together and they are all linked to our finances. Stewardship, the careful and responsible management of something that belongs to someone else. You see, here we have our first problem. Did you notice that? Let me read that again. The careful and responsible management of something that belongs to someone else. Whoops. We've hardly started and we already have a problem. He said something that belongs to someone else. It's my money. I earned it. It's mine. We're in this individual society. What I earned is mine. Let me give you two simple verses. Genesis 1, verse 1. Lost my... Ah. Oh, there we go. Genesis 1 verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. He created it. It's his. He created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, it is his. The second verse is similar. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. This is a bit more specific. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. It's all God's. Your income, yes, it may be given to you, but it is loaned to you by God. Your job, your family, everything about you is the Lord's. And we are called to be stewards of it, to treat it well, to treat it honorably, to do the best that we can with it, manage it for someone else. Let's turn quickly to the next word, trust. Here we have another problem. What or who do we trust? Our relationship with money, as I've mentioned before, is dependent on our relationship with God. Do we trust him for our future? Do we gain our value from him or what we earn? Which leads to the next word, authority. Do we come and bring everything about our lives under his authority? You know that nice little saying we say at the end of the prayer when we're asking for something? In the name of Jesus, amen. You, have you, anyone used that phrase before? I have. Yeah, most of us, if we've prayed, apart from those prayers which are, oh God, they are valid prayers, believe me. Many of us have, many of us have been in the, oh God, prayer. But you see, when we pray and we say, in the name of Jesus, it's not a nice ending to a prayer. It is saying, I place myself under the authority of the one I am praying with. That's what in the name of means. We, we come under, we place ourselves under his authority. We come in the name of Jesus because we place ourselves completely, totally, and utterly under his authority. Repeat after me. I am loved, whatever my income. I am welcomed and valued in this home. See, what we do and our thinking about money is ultimately, it is a relational issue. And secondly, it's an authority issue. In fact, every aspect of our health is a relational issue. I don't know if you've thought about it in this way. Physical and mental health is about our relationship with self. Relational and community health is about our relationship with each other. Financial health is about our relationship with money. And spiritual health, which ties everything together, is about our relationship with God. 
And as Christians, healthy finances are finances that come under the control and the authority of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we trust him. Because we trust him with our future, with our present. And because we are called to steward what he has loaned to us. So does my spending reflect the authority, the stewardship, and the trust in my life? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In Genesis, we find that God gave us everything to steward. The first command was go and steward. Look after and increase what he's given to us. So our money, our relationship with money is where the problem arises. The Bible doesn't say, as has so often been misquoted, that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. See, the love of money can be about the control of money. It can be, and control can be about saying no to someone and yes to someone else. I have control over money, so I have control over them. It can be about acquisition. It can be about materialism. But the thing is, it's not money itself. Because if we believe that everything that we have has been redeemed, therefore our money has been redeemed by Jesus and brought back to him when we say yes to him. It can be brought back for use by God. If everything is God's, then money is his as well. So this word stewardship is about taking care of everything that's been loaned to us. Whereas the culture around us, the world around us, that's the opposite. It's mine. I have it. I can do what I want with money. And you can apply that to almost any area of life. It is mine and I can do. It's my truth. It's my identity. It's who I am. It's my job. It's my time. But when we become followers of Jesus and place ourselves under his authority and we do say in the name of, then everything comes under his authority. So we steward what is God's. Can we take steps to be great stewards of what God has given us, loaned us? See, I'm not expecting us, I'm not there. I'm not expecting us to go from here to there. I'm expecting us to go on a journey to be healthy. Repeat after me. I am loved whatever my income I am welcomed and valued in this home. When it comes to trust, what do we place our trust in? The government, and I know already some of you are laughing derisively inside. Please hold your sarcasm and humor and crying, whatever it is you're feeling right at this moment. But it doesn't matter what government, whether it's conservative, liberal, labor, Whatever government, we know that they fail us in the same way that we fail each other. We will be failed by politicians and government. So do we place our future in them? Do we place our future in the lottery? Our jobs, our property, our pensions. See, when we start placing our trust in all of those things, we're placing our trust in the supply over the supplier. 
The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He is our supply. What do, we, what do we see when we look at our own financial future? Do we feel fine because we've put things aside? And it is right to put things aside. It is all good. But if we trust in our portfolio, our pension, all of those things, then we begin to trust in the supply, not the supplier. When we look at our current world, which is in absolute turmoil, can we still trust God? What do we see when we look at our financial future? Do we feel fine or do we, you know, feeling fine and great and happy is one problem, but also being full of fear and anxiety at the other side is also a problem. It comes back to who do we trust? Do we trust our portfolio, our inheritance, our savings? Proverbs 18 Verses 10 to 11 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. I love the word. I love where the psalmist says they imagine it. Imagination is something that's not real. They imagine that their wealth, whatever they've accumulated, is the real strength. But it's the name of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 to 10. And I, you know, time is going and I don't have time to, to read it all, but many of us know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And it goes on and says it will bring health to your body. But then it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor, push your weight on, trust in God. It's like pushing against a car. Add your weight to the Lord, then there is an outworking of that. But it says we first need to trust in the Lord with everything. We honor the Lord with our finances. Give weight to it or promote it. Lean into. When we look at our finances, and this again, I don't want to bring guilt. But we cannot move forward unless we know our starting point. When we look at our finances, our balance sheet, our, our, our bank statement, does it honor God in the way that we use it? I've got to look at mine and go, maybe not all the time. And don't, don't take this as a guilt thing. Take this as a, hey, I need to look at it to make sure it is. And if it isn't, let's bring it back. Repeat after me. I am loved whatever my income I am welcomed and valued in this home. The last word is authority. Who is our master? You see, the song we sung before communion, I surrender it. I love that song. Absolutely love that song. But I've got to, I've got to ask myself the question, what do I need to surrender? I know it's I surrender. And when we, when we sing it, it can be so easy to sing words like that, can't it? I surrender. How about your finances, John? Ah, oh, I'll work on that maybe at some stage in the future. Wow. See, when we sing it, we're declaring. We're declaring our position before God. I surrender. I put up my hands and I make you my master, my ultimate authority. 
You're not surrendering to me. You're not surrendering your finances to me or to the church. You're saying, God, my finances are under your authority. See, when we, when we begin to think about that, we're not just singing a song before communion. We're actually talking about real and tangible issues of life. The Bible in Deuteronomy tells us that we are to be the head, not the tail. That doesn't mean to say that we, we have to rule everything and be leaders in everything. It just means to say that we're not dominated by other thinking. We're not controlled by other thinking. We're not to be in positions where we're controlled by things or people. See, God in this passage was saying, if my people go into debt to another nation, then they are bound to what the other nation, their beliefs, their cultures, their religion, abide by their rules and worship their gods. And this is particularly in terms of being in debt. And sort of, I'm sort of talking about that, just gone into a huge amount of debt for our mortgage. That's part of life. We know that. But the mortgage will not be my authority. It will be not be who I trust. It will be not how I steward our money. We so often believe that we have the authority to be our own master. As I said before, it's mine, my body, my friends, my money, my life. Actually, we are under authority. The Bible in Matthew Six, Jesus is saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You have to choose. See, money doesn't love you and gave its only son for you. Money is something that is a good servant, but not a great master. It has no plans to give you a hope or a future. It has no care for your well-being. That's Jesus. See, the early church, when we read in Acts 2, read the full passage, there's people being added to their numbers and, and there's gifts of the Holy Spirit being given out of that moment and, and things were happening. But you know, one of the biggest things that happened was is that they counted nothing as their own. It didn't mean to say they lived in this happy little hippie commune. They realized that they were stewards of what God had given them. And if there was need, they met the need. You see, that when the Holy Spirit touches our life, it's not just about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's about touching our wallets and our bank statements. And they gave, not because they had to, for religious brownie points or even for penance, but they gave because they'd been touched by God's grace and impacted by the Holy Spirit. When we fully realize what God has done for us, we will have no problem giving to him. When we understand what it means to be part of God's kingdom, we will have an understanding that we are stewards. We trust him and we're under his authority. Repeat after me. I am loved, whatever my income. I am welcomed and valued in this home. Some of you I know are struggling to make ends meet, and I know that. And one of the things that we want to do is help all of us be better stewards. 
whether you're a, a great, and those with great incomes can be struggling just as much, it just they hide it better. But as we go on this journey together, it's about a journey of health. See, Romans 12, verses 1 to 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, for what he has already done for us, to offer everything, our bodies as a living sacrifice, every single thing about us, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He wants us to have new minds, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing. So what should my attitude towards money be in the light, in the light of grace of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ? We give because we are being made more like Jesus more like God, and he gave first. We give because we've been touched by God's grace and impacted by the Holy Spirit. We give not out of moral obligation, manipulation, or coercion to get more. We give because we are like Christ. Giving does involve sacrifice at times. And healthy disciples will have a healthy relationship with our money. It will serve us. We will not serve it. Money will serve the building of God's kingdom. It will serve the purpose of God's kingdom, but not be our source. Money should never stop us doing something as a church. It might impact how we do it, but it will never stop us seeing the lost come to Jesus. A healthy community full of healthy disciples will understand that money is what we are privileged to steward on behalf of God. Money is the fact that we trust the provider with our future, not the provision. And that we're under the authority of Jesus and therefore submit our finances to his lordship, not our lordship. Repeat after me one last time. I'm loved whatever my income. I am welcomed and valued in this home. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you want us to be the head, not the tail. That you want us to be in control of our finances, not have our finances in control of us. I pray for those people, particularly in this room or within the sound of my voice online, that are desperately in need. Lord, I pray that we will be able to work together, to journey together, not just to provide in the now, but to help people be able to provide for themselves in the future. Not to have money, debt, acquisition as the master, but to have you as our final authority. In the name of Jesus, amen.